Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Campaign Podcast. I'm Gideon Spanier, the UK Editor-in-Chief of Campaign. And the topic for this podcast is finding a better way to grow in a downturn, which we're hosting in partnership with Wavemaker. This is a bit of a first for us because we actually held this podcast discussion in Wavemaker's offices in Sea Containers, which is overlooking the Thames in London, and in front of a live audience. We had clients in the room and some of the Wavemaker team. So in a moment, you're going to hear from a great panel. They're two top marketers, Carolina Cordero-McNamara from Henkel, UK and Ireland, and Joe McClintock from Trainline. Plus, there were two of the Wavemaker team, their planning expert, Elliot Millard, and e-commerce guru, Mudit Jaju. So we called this session Finding a Better Way to Grow in a Downturn because the cost of living, rising energy prices and interest rates are all top of mind. And for part of the panel discussion, we heard from Wavemaker about some audience research they've done looking at consumer sentiment in the UK. They carried out two waves of research in June and at the end of September and there was evidence that sentiment had markedly changed and I'm afraid largely for the worse. So Catherine Saxon, Wavemaker's UK Head of Audience Science, explains the research and then we'll get to the live panel. So this is our second wave of our cost of living research. Um, our first wave was done at the end of June and the second wave was done at the end of September. Uh, that was actually just after they announced the mini budget on Friday the 23rd of September. Um, it's a tracker, so we've spoken to 2,000 people in each wave, NatRep. Now I'm just going to take you through eight of our key takeouts that was, uh, have come out of this wave. So financial confidence is definitely waning, uh, even amongst those who are more financially secure. So we saw amongst our comfortable segment that even they themselves are taking action to control their costs. Uh, people are definitely cocooning and becoming less mobile. There's lots of evidence in the data to show people that they are retreating into their homes. Uh, mental and physical health is definitely being compromised. We saw some data about how people are not taking self-care maybe as, as strongly as they should do. Um, however, people are still in the market for their everyday treats, and these are their non-negotiable uh, treats. This reminds me very much of when we used to talk about the lipstick effect. It's the treats that give you that emotional uplift in times of stress. Christmas shopping behaviours are being delayed and budgets are actually being reconsidered. Um, people are definitely uh, reducing what they're going to spend at Christmas and they are shopping later. Audience matters. So from the evidence from the research shows that actually the impact is different across audiences and the consumer response will vary depending on their demographic and their different mindset at the moment. And also, people want tangible help from brands. So consider the value you provide and help them make smart choices. It might not necessarily just be in a cost-cutting uh, value mission. It might be something different. And finally, people are turning to social platforms for advice. We did see TikTok coming through very strongly, especially for the young people. But they are turning to social platforms for advice. So have a think about what your play is on those platforms. So it is a gloomy picture. But there are opportunities for brands, not only for growth, but also you do have to think about how you show up. You have to think about your audience and you really need to think about your tone and your context. So some fascinating and quite sombre learnings there from Catherine and a lot for brands to think about. 
We're now going to go over to the discussion we had in front of the live audience to see what the marketers and the media agency experts are planning to do about it all. And I should say, because it's in front of an audience, the audio reflects that. It feels very real, actually, listening to Catherine about just understanding that this is really going to hit everybody, pretty much. It feels like it. Um, so I'm going to start with the brands, and maybe even because we heard about the lipstick effect. Um, so the, the, the question I've got is, uh, what plans have you got in place to prepare and protect your brand during this period? So I guess, um, you know, you might want to give a sort of state of what you see right now and maybe what you see going into 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the research was really eye-opening, but we see this trend and all of the research that we're also doing internally. Um, so we have a portfolio of categories, and I'm going to narrow it down to just coloration because I think that one's really interesting. So we at Henkel also own Schwarzkopf Professional, Schwarzkopf Retail, and within Schwarzkopf Retail, we have a, a plethora of brands. And what we see during this time is that, of course, consumers fall out of the salon and they fall into a portfolio of brands that are kind of box dyes. And so if we find it uh, our duty to set up a not only a value for money, but a mass or a premium offering within that retail space so that we can almost be that comfort or that catching place for those consumers who want to either delay those visits to the salon or either want to touch up in between and so they can find something to have those moments and those treats that Catherine mentioned. Because I think what we've seen, be it in the last recession or during COVID, is that people don't give up those moments of pleasure. Uh, and Catherine mentioned out of home, where people, yes, stop going to salons, but they still do those treats at home. Uh, and so we actually dial up our investments on those retail brands during this time in order to say there's something here for you. You can still feel good whether it's at home or visiting friends and family. And so that's really important that actually during this time we actually overinvest in that retail portfolio. Okay. And just since we are having conversation in a media agency environment, what do you think that's going to do for your sort of marketing and media in the next uh, rest of this year into 23? So like I said, so we are putting more money in the right places to capture consumers, but also it's a trend that, um, at least at Henkel, we haven't given up over time when times were hard. So in COVID, we weren't one of the highest spenders in the color category. And so we're going to lean into that with activities that are more experiential, connecting with consumers on social media platforms like TikTok, um, because we see the value in that. So not only do we believe we're going to grow, but we feel we're going to grow sustainably in a way where we're selling consumers something that they actually want and need during this time. Okay. So on the switch brand, and um, we're in an office, which not everyone is every day of the week. So uh, you, know, you normally have to travel to get to an office. Yes. So Joe, uh, what's, what does the train line see? And I guess, again, the same question. What plans have you got in place to prepare and protect your brand during this period? And I think it's worth saying, what's it like right now? Because obviously uh, there was a period when people weren't traveling at all. There's several things that we've seen and what's going on in the market. So um, the market has recovered. Can you hear me okay, guys? Yes, fine. Okay. The market has actually recovered since pre-COVID, but no doubt you'll all know habits have changed, right? So many people have shifted to digital products and, you know, station ticketing, etc., is is being phased out, and that's a government initiative. Um, so for us, you know, ultimately we've seen, you know, extreme uh, growth coming out of COVID with the digital dividend and the fact that the the um, market has recovered. One of the other things that's happened is 
because of COVID and actually, you know, hybrid working, um, lack of certainty of when I might go into the office, not go to the office, or when I might travel, people are booking like much later, like on the day or the day before. So they're kind of looking for more flexible options. But the challenge that comes with that is traditionally, the closer you get to the date, you pay more money. So um, I think one of the biggest things for us is that like many, many consumers don't really understand the complex rail fare structure. I'm not sure you would all all understand that, but it is very complicated. You you have all these things like off-peak and rail cards and all of of that complexity. But fundamentally, we have a digital product that takes all the supply, all the data, and we know that we would save the average consumer 35% versus if you went to a ticket machine on the day. So please don't go to a ticket machine on the day because you are going to save like 35%. It's a true fact. And I think, so for us, it's actually looking at those changed behaviours and those those habits um, and actually being really responsible and accountable for making sure that people know how they can save money because people are overpaying right now and they actually, you know, have options. But it's so complicated that, you know, our job is to kind of cut through and, and, and use, use media and great creative um, and different platforms in which to, to, to deliver that message. And just because it came up in the research from yes. Catherine, um, this uh, figure that 40% fewer family visits at Christmas. Yes. Um, you, now, you have a sample of, like, the whole country. Yeah. You see behaviour <laughs> with what yeah. actual purchases. Any, any response to that and any insight you can give us? Yeah, that's re- it was a really interesting stat. And I think, you know, obviously there's quite a difference between plane, car, rail, and, and, and actually the, what's the word, the mission that you're on, the journey that you're on and what you're trying to do. We haven't seen any demand drop in rail. Um, it, it's just a change in the way people do it, either the when they book or actually, you know, like types of journeys, the time of day, all of those things. People aren't doing, you know, incremental journeys, but there's no demand drop at all. And actually... We do the um, every Christmas time, whether it's in Europe or the UK, um, the seat, Christmas seat release is a massive retail moment, and it happens about now. Um, and actually, we've seen huge demand. Uh, and ultimately, for us, it's we're not seeing that data yet, but it could be. And I don't know actually, covering from your data, whether that's car or, or air or something else, it could be other modes of transport um, that that's happening too. Okay. Um, last thing, just yes. uh, for now. Uh, the same question that I asked Carolina. What can you tell us about your marketing and media investment in the next, I guess, in the run-up to this Christmas and in 23? Yeah, so um, we've got two jobs to do, and I don't want to trivialise, trivialise, I can't say that word, <laughs> trivialise, the um, cost of living crisis, because it is pretty major, right? But actually, you know, as you've said, through, you know, periods of time, you have upturn, downturn, right? And you know, in this time of consumer need to, to save money, we have to be there communicating that message. And we are. We have a campaign live currently um, that's on across multiple uh, formats, and, and we are continuing to invest there. But on this, the, the kind of other side of, of the coin is actually, like, we can't ignore the climate crisis. You know, that is still happening. It's not going away. And actually, that is going to last a lot longer and have a lot, lot uh, longer-lasting effect. And our consumers really care about it. So our kind of job is, is to do both, right, is actually promote that rail is, you know, 70% better in terms of CO2 emissions than car and give people ways in to, to actually go, well, you know, 
you know that now, we've told you that, hopefully you feel really good about that and that choice that you've made and actually here's how we're going to help you save money and, and do it in a cost efficient way. So we've got two jobs to do. Um, Elliot, so it's interesting obviously you're hearing from clients uh, but when you, and you, you will see at Wavemaker across many brands from, you know, we know in some downturns uh, brands attempted to dial back on marketing. Now, I mean, if, for example, if all the shops are closed physically during uh, a lockdown, well, that's a reason, obviously, you might dial back. From a strategic planning point of view, give us the case uh, against dialing back. There might even be a case for dialing back. Uh, so Catherine talked very elegantly earlier on about the importance of understanding your audience and how they're feeling. And I think the, the conversation that we're having with clients at the moment is to really help clients understand their own situation. Because actually, it's, it's not a binary thing. And there's, there's lots and lots of evidence. I bow to no one for my uh, admiration for Bennett and Field. And the, the evidence for supporting and keeping on spending through a downturn is, is robust. Right? We, all, we all broadly know that there's a whole excess share of voice effect thing going on. We get it. I think the important thing to think about is actually the situation that your brand is in. Because... If you are a supermarket, you know, Lidl's uh, market share went up 20% last month. Uh, if you are a supermarket, spending through an economic crisis is absolutely the right thing to do. Uh, you are essentially there to create a sense of differentiation when people are shopping. If you're a cinema, I would probably be having a conversation with a cinema chain at the moment and saying, maybe we want to dial back. Maybe we want to make sure that you are getting much more functional, you're getting people in the door. So actually worrying about the brand and the future state of the brand, when there is a real likelihood that there will be brands that don't exist in when we come out of this, making sure that you have the money, assessing your risk uh, kind of profile, thinking about your supply chain, thinking about your demand pool, make sure that you understand those things before you just kind of go, actually, let's just double down and spend through this. Completely for the right brands, spending through is the right thing to do, but understanding your risk is absolutely a conversation we're having with clients at the moment. Yeah, and I think um, just even in the last few days, uh, you've seen some <coughs> companies warning of, of a material slowdown, uh, I think. Perhaps I shouldn't use the word material, but a significant slowdown. Um, Muda, uh, tell me, how do you see it from your perspective? Uh, and maybe picking up a little bit on what Elliot said as well about sort of the kind of messaging that you can be doing uh, at this time if you're brand, and I'm thinking, you know, with an e-commerce hat. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the stat that really stood out for me from what Catherine presented was 81% people dialing back on non-essential spending, and we saw that last week with Prime Day, which was kind of a damn squib. Uh, the, the data I'm seeing is that people just did not want to buy things because it was not close to Christmas, and it was kind of a little bit of a made-up uh, event, effectively. Uh, I think the other thing that's really important also is there's nothing wrong with a clear CTA, but what's really important is clearly consumers have different need states, and being able to have the right message to the right person is really important. I think that having a really clear, dynamic, creative, or addressable strategy is absolutely mission critical, because clearly what parents want is different to what single people want and so on. Uh, and I think being very clear about the value proposition, because consumers are looking for brands to solve these problems, and I think that brands uh, almost owe it to consumers to talk about how they, they'd be able to do that. And again, I know, and it just it's kind of interesting, Christmas, I don't know how significant that is for your business, 
and uh, just again how you might be showing up. Yeah, absolutely. So Christmas is huge for styling moments. It's festive season. We generally go to parties, whether it's at home or out and about. Uh, and what we saw over the last couple of years is that styling uh, took a massive downturn. So people were not styling their hair. They weren't even washing their hair sometime when they were at home during COVID, <laughs> let alone using a hairspray. Um, so what we're trying to do now is offer solutions that either maybe multifunctional styling products. So you buy one product that saves you some money. Or we're teaching consumers how to layer up. So if you want to have a blowout, which, I mean, blow-dry bar, have been on the rise and it's been amazing but you know what fortunately 40 pounds for a blow dry seems a bit eccentric uh, now so people need those how-to's tutorials that information in order to ladder up their looks in a more affordable manner so actually Christmas is a huge moment for us also post Christmas where there's a fresh new look and people might be coloring their hair um, so actually we're, we're kind of changing our messages to how can we help you understand how either fewer better products or more products and less salon moments can still give you that jazzy feel and you can still go out on the town so it's really important for us actually yeah I'm sure and, and just to develop that a little bit more when you think about the tone of voice I mean Elliot touched on it as well it was interesting in the research that humour seemed a bit of a no-no uh, a, a, a small percentage was it 9% was sort of actively didn't want mm -hmm. humour um, uh, and then also there was some stuff in the research about how self-care might be actually something that some people are really struggling with. Uh, again, thinking particularly about the kind of, um, you know, the, the, the audience that you're targeting with the brand you've got. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so we don't generally lean into humor. Uh, our brands lean more into meaningfulness. So we try to use products or talent that actually have great stories and that actually have a foundation or a purpose behind it. Uh, and also our brands also support certain different charities, let's say. Uh, so for us, it's about the messaging that is below the surface. And as Catherine mentioned, there are a lot of emotional answers people feel, people feel a lot right now. And so having more meaningful messages uh, and also showing consumers who have been through hard times so we actually have a, a very well-known model who has alopecia showing her journey and those stories kind of more authentic stories more real people rather than leaning into humor is more important for us and our brands um, joe anything you want to touch on the sort of we would come with christmas from a you know it's important uh, that you are sort of what behavior change might be but in terms of your specifically your messaging mm -hmm. um Anything that you might, how much you're thinking about the creative as well as, you know, the, the spend, if you like? Yeah, I think so. Um, on the creative side of things, it's really just hammering home, like, a really, we have a very functional product, right? It's an app that helps you travel more conveniently and more effortlessly. And, and you know, we know that travel is a very emotional subject. You know, you, it's, we've, we've done lots of research that um, shows the emotional journey from, like, stress, fear, anxiety joy, delight, all of those emotions happen. So, um, you know, ultimately we have tons of data and data science. We have like a technology team that is about extracting that data and that data science and turning it into propositions. So on one side, it's actually how can we create more hacks and smarter ways to present more value to customers? And then how does the brand then just make it like really simple and easy to understand and comprehend? So any of our creative is just going to be a little bit more uplifting, lightweight, um, not too serious, but not humorous. And it's just taking a very functional message around value and just showing how like effortless and delightful it is to, to achieve. 
Okay, so I'm going to bring um, both uh, Muda and Elliot in. You can ju- each of you can decide who's going to go first. So we're thinking beyond Christmas. We're thinking about next year. Right now, budgets are being planned for 2023, and maybe you're even thinking, uh, you know, really long term. You're thinking to 2024 because you know, we're likely to be in a high interest rate uh, environment now for some time. What's the advice to brands? Because there will be some CFOs and others saying you've got to take off 15% January the 1st um, and that kind of thing. And I guess what I'm thinking about here is we've heard some short-term stuff to get through this. Maybe just um, marketing communications needs to be very functional for a long time to come. Where does brand sit in this? I think, uh, and, I, and I completely agree uh, with uh, both Karen and Joe, I think the, the tonality is really important. Um, the one thing, and I'll, I'll touch quickly on uh, kind of messaging, and then I'll talk more about the, the where we show up rather than what we're saying. I completely agree that, uh, you know, there is an importance to distinguish between brands and the advertising that brands put into the world. So people want brands to be helpful and they want discounts. That doesn't mean that they want adverts about brands being helpful and adverts with discounts. The humour thing, I think, is uh, should be taken with a little bit of a pinch of salt. I think humour used correctly, and again, used tonally, can be quite powerful. Uh, I would certainly caution anybody um, against the idea of uh, doing what a lot of brands did at the beginning of COVID and running ads about, you know, in these difficult times, we stand with you, because I don't think people want to hear that from brands. And I think, actually, what that does is create this kind of vanilla effect that everyone sort of feels a bit the same. The, the power of brand, I think, is actually uh, to enable consumers to make better choices. And I think if you have something, which both these guys do, that sits at the heart of something you are bringing to people that is more than just the functional stuff. I think sustainability, there is a real opportunity for, even in a cost of living crisis, sustainability to be something that we actually go harder on rather than walk back from. Because a lot of the choices that you can make in a cost of living crisis are inherently sustainable. You know, the the recycling uh, clothes, kind of second-hand things, making more sustainable choices about how you get to places, not going out, not being quite so consumerist. These are all actually both positive choices for you and for the environment, and brands that help people get through that, I think, are, are powerful. The only thing I will say in terms of channel selection is if you are being hit by a CFO who's just asking you to take money away, it is unlikely that the best solution is to take money away equally from the entire plan. So again, I talked about risk earlier on. Thinking about the risk profile of your uh, of your plan and understanding, we tend to think about ROI as kind of single state steady numbers. ROI is a curve and it has a variance. And different media channels will have different variances. And understanding what your variance looks like and therefore what your risk profile looks like is going to be really important. And it could be that you make deliberately risk-free decisions, or it could be, which I suspect Moodit will encourage everyone to do, it could be that you, make, you kind of go hard on innovation. And that is absolutely the right thing to do, as long as you understand what the risk profile is that you are walking into. Would you say big yeah, on big I, innovation? Yeah. I'm just gonna... I, I, I'm... Well, not innovation. I think the other thing that I would say, uh, it, you know, the reality is that there are going to be budgets that have to be cut, but I think this is really an opportunity for brands to absolutely be nailing the overall 
fitness of their brand. So that might mean for train line shaving off half a second off of app downloads. That might mean having excellent content, uh, you know, with the right meta tags on Amazon pages for Schwarzkopf. And I think that brands can no longer afford to pretend that that's somebody else's problem. You, if, if you're in this room and you don't know if your website is compliant with core web vitals, come talk to me, please. Uh, but these are the kinds of things, you know, effective tagging strategy, this is not sexy, but it's so important because what it does is it delivers an excellent consumer experience to the consumer. So when you're standing on the platform figuring out if you should be booking your return at the same time, shaving off a second off the download time is massively amazing consumer experience. Um, the other thing I would say is innovation is different things to different people. Uh, and I, I don't think, you know, it's more metaverse for everyone. Uh, but actually, that, that might be the right thing for you to be doing. But I think innovation could be doing things you haven't done before. That might mean, you know, more styling tips from Schwarzkopf, for example, or more fabric care tips for, from Dylon. Uh, but equally, metaverse may be kind of an interesting idea for Trainland, which is about transportation and being in a different location. So I think think about what innovation means for your brand and what are the things you've not done before uh, that may uh, provide a better consumer experience. To afford as a virtual journey. Um, uh, so, um, just, just thinking about um, what, what, you know, why we're here, uh, finding a better way to grow in a downturn. Um, just to ask in a sort of devil's advocate way, is it a bad look for brands to prioritise growth? Uh, I mean, is is there anything that you think, you, again, you have to be careful in how you talk about growth? I don't know if it, uh, either of our brands would like to say something about that. I think, um, you know, we are a PLC. We have a, obviously an obligation to like, publish our data and talk about growth all the time to investors uh, and what have you. I think, you know, we are growing and, and that has come, um, you know, there have been some great tailwinds from COVID that have positively impacted our business. Um, but I think it's going to sound a bit marketing 101, really, in the sense of fundamentally, you're going to be the right solution for a, a, a target audience, right? And actually, they have some core needs. And as long as you're just there serving them and continually bringing them, like, you know, things that they perhaps didn't know they needed or just better ways or shaving time off the user experience. Or, that is like, you know, so that's baked into our business. That's what we're about because that's what customers need and that's ultimately what we serve. So as an outcome of that, we're growing because, you know, hey, <laughs> no-brainer, right? It's product market fit. So it, it's, I don't think it's about look at us, you know, we, we're great, we're growing, all of the, and that jazz. It's actually about we're serving the audience's needs better and we continue to do that and we need to keep doing that because um, that's our job. We're showing up at a moment in time where consumers need us, so they, they can't afford to go to the salon every six, eight, 12 weeks. So we're growing from a need to fulfill a want that consumers want to feel good. So I think we are also not shying away from growth because we have a portfolio set up in a way that we're growing at a time now where consumers are moving more to box styles or styling moments at home versus salons and that's why we've set up this holistic business where we can grow in the spaces during the moments where it's right to grow for retail and there will be other moments where it's right to grow for salon at home. Um, Elliot, I'd like to ask you a question which sort of builds on this but in a, I would like to take it in a slightly different direction which is um, uh, there's, there's quite a lot of evidence that 
consumers trust brands as much, if not more, than government. Not making any comment about current UK government, <laughs> which could change at any moment. Um, what can, is there any actions that brands can do which might um, help alter perception in a different kind of way? This is a bit different from marketing and even the product, but in terms of maybe how they treat their own employees. Um, you know, we saw at the start of COVID, quite, brand, some brands behave in extraordinary ways, really positive ways. Um, and I just wondered to, to what extent, if at all, might that be a factor in this idea of finding a better way to grow, a sort of giving back thing? So I think, I mean, I, I, would, I would love uh, someone to get in touch with Edelman and ask them to rerun the Trust Barometer uh, <laughs> post uh, yesterday, because I suspect that uh, trust in brands is probably a lot higher than the current government, which may have changed in the time that we've been talking. Uh, the, I think there is absolutely, uh, and you see it in the, in the research that Catherine talked about, people want brands to step up. Uh, and I think particularly in the UK at the moment, when there is real mistrust and concern um, about the government, uh, and we've lost, you know, in, uh, in the Queen, we've lost somebody who was a kind of uh, an, an emblem of stability. I think people do want, there is, there is white space that can be occupied. And I think brands absolutely can uh, get into that space. The, I think it is a, uh, an opportunity which we should lean into, and Toby talked about this earlier on. A better way to grow doesn't always exclusively mean shareholder return. It is also about the way that we grow. It's about the way that we treat each other, and, and that sense of positive provocation is, is, should be a way that we treat ourselves, our employees, and uh, the brands that we work with. The one thing I would, uh, again, caution people about is there is a difference between the things that you do and the things that you put in advertising. So... Uh, John Lewis, I thought, got it about right when they announced that they were cutting some of their marketing budget to fund uh, meals for their uh, staff. That felt good. If they had made an advert about the fact that they had done that, that would have felt really bad. So I think there is a, there is a reality that we should be thinking about uh, growth that is more than just financial growth. One of the conversations we've been having uh, internally is actually whether consumers is an unhelpful word. If you thought about them as being citizens, it actually changes the dynamic and the way that you think about those people. They are not just people who consume things, they are people who are part of the lived fabric of the world. Uh, and I think moving to that kind of thinking could be really interesting. And as a, as a, as a reset moment, I think that could be a really powerful way of thinking. Yeah, so it just, I love that citizen. We have a program called Good Citizen, basically, and it's fundamentally, it's, it's part consumer, corporate affairs, government relations industry because so the rail market is highly regulated in, in UK and Europe and obviously we are, have close links with the government and the DFT um, and also um, all the industry players and actually as part of that good citizen piece we've actually just started democratising stuff like going here's some data like industry that's going to help you better serve your customers have it please because we want you to offer a better proposition and, and actually we're going live with a campaign next week which is um, a, a really big bold moment for us and we've democratised it we've given it away we've said actually to all of the, the, the carriers the different providers in the industry and even we've gone to the DFT and we're going take it it's yours you know, we've invested in it but we want to get that, that message out there as much as possible so I think the good citizen bit is actually kind of just taking a little bit of like a look in the mirror and going am I really doing everything I possibly can to help the consumer and the category survive a downturn, 
Um, and that includes giving stuff to governments uh, and, and, and actually industry and regulated uh, bodies. Carolina, you, you were, both you and Joe were nodding when Elliot was talking. So, does it mean you want to add on that that point about what brands can do in terms of action? Yeah, I mean, I feel very passionate, as Elliot mentioned, about not professing or shouting to the world about everything we do kind of behind the scenes. It's our job to help small business owners who want to be hairdressers or stylists or women in different countries to to create that business experience or skill set. And we don't shout about it, actually. You know, Shrasko has loads of initiatives, so does Live. And I feel very strongly about not putting it on any piece of campaign. Or, or The only place to put it is on the website if you want to get involved or on social media if you want to join kind of the force. But yeah, I, I definitely feel strongly about there is this kind of de facto piece of work that we have to do as brands. Um, and we can finance it ourselves. I mean, we are at the end of the day growing, so we should finance it. Okay, I'm going to ask you all for one uh, sort of takeaway, but, but before I get to that, I'd like to bring in Mudit for a, a different thing. We've spent a lot of time talking about the UK today. Obviously, we live in a global world. You have a global role. Wavemaker is a global business. I'm interested, how much do you see what's happening in the UK as being mirrored in other markets, and uh, they're maybe quite similar, maybe different? I think consumer concerns are on the rise, not necessarily for the same thing. So in China, for example, it's still lingering COVID. I think the U.S., I mean, do you have eight hours to talk about issues in the U.S. and the consumer concerns there? Uh, so I think there are concerns uh, about consumers, and I think consumers are, around the world broadly are becoming more choiceful, but equally they are also becoming more informed. Uh, and so we're seeing the entire digital infrastructure of consumer communication rise up to that. Um, so that means that there's more ability to get more information generally across the board. Uh, I think the U.K. is probably bearing the brunt of it right now, together with China for completely different reasons. Uh, but I think that there is a general um, concern, but I think there's also a general agreement that people are going to be more choiceful and more informed. And I think that's where brands around the world are, are to, to some extent, rising to the occasion and uh, being very clear about the value proposition and the way that they can help solve consumer concerns, whether that is a brilliant WeChat mini program in China or some of the stuff that you can do in Tele in India, which is mind-boggling, uh, you know, the content that we sometimes see come out of New York Times Brand Studio, for example, it's all incredible stuff, but it's really the entire ecosystem coming together, a tech publisher, brand agency, uh, to solve those new, uh, you know, to develop those new solutions. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask e each of you if you've got a takeaway. It could be pretty short. You could say, I can't afford a takeaway anymore. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad pun. <laughs> but it did come out of the research. <laughs> So, Carolina, do you, would you like to go first? Have you got a takeaway from the research or the, our discussion? Yeah, so it's around self-care. So I feel very passionate about self-care and the role of beauty. It's not superficial. It really goes follicle deep, no pun intended. Um, and so I think from our point of view, it's show up, show consumers your offering, show them how to use a product so that they can live those moments at home with joy and still, if they want to visit or go to clubs and pubs less regularly, that they can live in a happier way in terms of self-care because we've seen this whole piece around mental health and there is completely a link that's intrinsically uh, there so we feel very passionate about yeah being present sure. uh, I think it's just all about continuously striving to offer a better, better value proposition and, and not you know being complacent uh, I'm, I'm going to go slightly, uh, it's been a very friendly chat I'm going to go slightly ruthless uh, so I would in general uh, 
increasing or maintaining marketing budgets is often the smart bet. The really smart bet is to, is to look at how you are behaving and also how your category is behaving. So if anyone saw uh, the Bellwether report that came out uh, this morning, there are, there are media channels that are probably being disinvested in too fast. And what that equals is actually opportunity space. Because if you can exist in those channels and you can exploit them because they're being underutilized by your competition, you will get disproportionate effect. So slightly ruthless. Uh, also, be nice to people, right? But you know, <laughs> but but also exploit exploit unexplored places. Okay, I want to add to your takeaways. Going back to my basket. Um, so, which hand channels being underinvested? You've got to be make this super short. Uh, press and outdoor. Press particularly. Press looks at the moment like a really good bet for increasing investment. Who did? Brilliant basics is not optional. It is your problem, and it is so effective. So a really thought-provoking discussion there on the theme of finding a better way to grow in a downturn. And I want to say thank you to all of our speakers. So that was Joe McClintock of Trainline, Carolina Cordero McNamara of Henkel UK and Ireland, and then from Wavemaker, Catherine Saxon, Elliot Millard and Mudit Jarju. And special thank you to Wavemaker for partnering with us on this event. Thanks so much for listening to the campaign podcast and see you next time.